you can just think of like a guy who's maybe good with mobility and he wants to teach people how to become more mobile, right? But that doesn't sound compelling, but his end result, right, is you're going to be able to do a split, a front split and a side split in 30 days, right? Have you seen this? Anybody? I've, I've seen it. I've, I've like added to cart probably four or five times on that. <laughs> you're listening to the Stuff Marketers Say podcast. The only thing we know more about than marketing strategy is Settlers of Catan. From start to scale and beyond. Lead gen is crucial. And if you listened for any amount of time, you probably have heard us say that we always recommend to our clients that they have some sort of lead gen campaign going. Today, co-founders Ryan Akins and Jesse Marchecho join me to discuss tips for reducing lead generation costs while keeping the quality of the lead high. Head on over to till.agency for the show notes. If you're interested in learning more about working with us, send us a note while you're there and we can chat more about how we might be able to serve your business. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of Stuff Marketers Say. We are live. We're chatting today about how to lower lead gen costs. And if you've listened to the podcast at all, you know that we are, I mean, we always recommend that clients have some sort of focus on lead gen and are running some sort of lead gen campaign. So today we're going to talk about a little bit about how to make those lead gen campaigns a little bit more effective, not only to lower the cost, but then hopefully keep the quality of the lead high as well. So we don't want to sacrifice. There's all sorts of ways that we can make, we can lower lead gen costs, but you know, if you do it the wrong way, your lead quality will suffer as well. So we're trying to maintain both, but I got co-founders, Jesse Marchecho and uh, Ryan Akins here with me for this conversation. Welcome and thanks for your time. Of course. Yeah, I was going to say, we're not, uh, not just trying to get the cheapest leads. We can do that if you want, but you don't. Want <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. And I think one thing that's helpful to think through, that's something that's helpful to think through right off the bat. And if you have never thought through it before, what is a lead worth to you, right? And I think, you know, if you haven't thought through that question, that's really the first question you have to answer in evaluating lead costs. Typically, stuff that costs more money, you know, to purchase the leads, you know, to get customers who are willing to purchase such products or services, they're going to cost more money, right? Usually. So just something to good to think through at the outset, I think. Yeah, I think that as you said, in expectations in general for lead gen, it's important for you to think through like you're not comparing, you know, you hear so-and-so marketer and marketing expert talking about, you know, $2 leads or $3 webinar registrations or whatever. Let's say they're in the fitness industry, you know, for a $30 a month online program. Whereas, you know, you're in the similar industry and you're, you know, doing more like nutrition coaching alongside of that. And, you know, it's a $2,000 a month uh, investment. Chances are those leads are going to be you know, a little bit more expensive for you. And so just something to think through there is, as you're setting those expectations, that you're not setting the bar so high that like you're destined to fail. And so knowing your numbers there and figuring out how much is a lead worth to you and making sure that you're just under that is setting success, not necessarily just some arbitrary, I want to get $3 a lead. We have like 15 tips to run through here. I'm really excited about some of these. So we'll dive into those. And of course, if you have any questions, head on over to our show notes, drop us a comment or send us an email and we'd be happy to get back to you. So let's start. I mean, I don't even really know where we should start here. Maybe I'll just start with sort of a generic piece of advice and then we'll dive into specific ways that we can execute. So 
that would be to use data, right? And as I was thinking through this, I was thinking through, you know, Google ads in particular, although I know some of Ryan's tips are going to tie in Facebook and other platforms. But in general, looking at data, understanding things like demographics, and then zeroing in your targeting on those demographics on your customer avatar is going to typically lead to lower lead costs. On Google ads, I was thinking through negative keywords and how negative keywords can help. And basically that would exclude certain searches that you know are not converting. So maybe I'm trying to think of an example here. Like if you were selling glasses, like glasses that you actually, you know, wear to see better, right? You might want to exclude other types of glasses that people might be searching for, like you know, the cups that you drink out of, right? So those are all ways that you can use data to lower lead costs. Ryan, maybe you can jump in with one of your tips kind of along those lines. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, one of the big things with leads, like you're saying, is the data. And so on the Facebook side of things, you know, the iOS 14 updates were a big, a big hamper to the data loss there. And so any ways that we can mitigate that, not just with leads, but in general with ads, probably sound like a broken record with this, but you know that's going to help your, your bottom line, especially with lead gen. And one of the unique things on Facebook, at least with lead gen, is they actually have that objective for campaigns, the lead gen objective. So you've got your typical conversions objective that you would use for most of your campaigns, but then you can actually go in and use a lead gen specific objective where all of the user experience is staying on platform or in app on Facebook. So that overcomes a lot of the limitations with iOS 14 because you're not having to send anybody to a third-party website. It's all within Facebook. And then it's also just a more seamless user experience too, where they're not having to wait for another website to load. You know, it's a form popping up that already has the user's information in there and filled out form. All they have to do is click submit. So that's a really great tool that we use pretty frequently and, and more frequently now for our Legion campaigns, especially to lower the cost. I think you do have to watch out sometimes that the quality can take a little bit of a dip there just because Facebook is really good at getting what you want it to get. So if you tell it to get leads, it'll get a lot of leads. They might not be qualified leads though. So it's a tool you can use, but as I'm sure we'll discuss, it's, it has to be used in conjunction with other things to make sure that quality uh, is still there. Awesome. Maybe that's just a good, while we're on the subject here, you could talk about the Facebook lead quality tool or the API tool. Yeah, no. So that's, um, it goes hand in hand with the lead forms and it's not something that I have really a ton of personal experience with, but it, I think it is something that I would like to test for sure. But what it is, is if you were using lead forms on Facebook, those leads are getting sent to your CRM. And then that would just be the typical lead form. That would be the end of the relationship, you know, between Facebook and your CRM. But then with the lead quality tool, you're actually sending data back to Facebook that's associated with those leads. So it could you could get an email from someone or collect that email on a lead form. And then say they eventually, maybe you have your funnel set up that they open another email. Well, then you would fire that event back to Facebook to say, hey, this person opened an email. So they're a more highly qualified lead. And then maybe you would send another event back when they actually complete a purchase or add to cart, whatever it may be, you know, from your email funnel. And so basically it's just feeding more data back to Facebook from your CRM to give it a better idea of what a high quality lead is. And then after you've got, I think it's like 30 days of doing this and as, assuming you have enough data, I think it's like 250 leads a month, which is not, you know, it's not a crazy high bar, but then you can actually tell Facebook to optimize 
for the leads that are converting this event that you've defined in that funnel. So pretty interesting, especially because going back to the lead forms, the data is all owned by Facebook. So you're you're not having to worry about a lot of data loss that we've experienced with iOS 14. So something we're still toying with and messing with. I think for some accounts, it may be a much better test than with others, but like all things, definitely worth a test. So. Yeah, super interesting stuff. And uh, again, we know how dangerous Facebook can be, metaphorically, of course, with data, right? So as much data as we can feed back to them, you know, typically that's going to help our ad campaigns. And just while we're on the subject, you know, not to keep you, not to, I do want to give you a break here in a second, but maybe we could talk about your next tip, which is the conversions API. Yeah. So that's, again, more of like a general tip for any campaign is to make sure that you're sending data back via the conversions API and the pixel. So for a lead campaign, that would be important as well. It gets a little bit more difficult in the lead campaign sometimes because, at least in our experience, you're often having to not necessarily code, but come up with those those API calls yourself for lead campaigns, whereas a lot of purchase campaigns might have that integration built in. So anyways, sending back the lead data to Facebook via the conversions API is super helpful, kind of along the same lines of the lead quality, but it's just sending that base lead event via server-side events and not just relying on the pixel. But it can be a little bit more difficult to implement with a lead campaign versus like a purchase campaign. Yeah, one thing I want to say about that too is it's a lot easier to integrate the conversions API now than it was when all this first rolled out, right? A lot of tools are going to have, and you alluded to this, are going to have some sort of conversions API hookup. Either way, if you have questions about anything that Ryan just said, all right, so if you're sitting there, you're scratching your head a little bit, go over to the show notes and we'll make sure that we have uh, links to tutorials on this kind of stuff. All right. So you can get a little bit more information there. All right. So Ryan, I'm going to give you a break. You have some more stuff to share, especially around LTV and Jesse, you're now in the hot seat. Let's talk about a few of your tips here. Let's just start with, I think, testing and having multiple lead gen offers. Yeah. So anytime you're trying to lower your lead costs, just testing the overall offers, oftentimes one of the easiest ways to just immediately lower and by testing different kinds, not just like, you know, different PDFs or different webinars or whatever, but actually testing different types of lead magnets, whether that is a webinar, whether that's a PDF, whether that's a quiz, whether that's a video series or, you know, something that's a little bit more high cost, but high quality, like pushing to an application to a phone call or gathering some information that you have a sales team follow up with. All of those different things are going to have various lead costs. And I think that when we were talking about lead costs in general, lowering those, it's a little bit arbitrary simply because it really depends, again, coming back to what I said at the the beginning, when we're kind of setting our expectations is lead costs are good or bad, depending on how much that lead is worth. I personally have had the most success with like personal businesses with higher cost leads that were worth significantly more LTV that in the lifetime of their, you know, working with a company and their customer journey, you know, the LTV was significantly higher for some of those higher quality leads. It doesn't mean that you can't have success with a quiz or something like that, especially, you know, depending on your industry and depending on the assets that you have available to you, whether that's, you know, you already have a quiz and you already have all, all the follow up and it's all working really well, then, you know, and you, and you have those numbers and that's great. But testing those different things can create better quality leads for, you know, maybe not necessarily a lower lead cost, but a more profitable lead there. So 
not necessarily advice to just straight lower lead costs, but uh, in general, create a better lead gen funnel. Yeah. And we'll just kind of add on to that though. And one little small tweak that might help you lower lead costs within, you know, if you use that tip, which is even without trying different offers, even within the same offer, changing the title of the, you know, like if you have a download, right? Instead of rewriting the download, just change the title of the download, see what happens. You know, obviously you want people to open it up and you want it to be congruent with what the title was, like whatever <laughs> people are reading about, right? But it might just be a matter that the title's not compelling enough. You know, we've had that happen before. And so that's an easy step to take to lower lead costs without actually having to put in the effort to redo, you know, whatever content it is. Maybe you know, or you have a feeling that the content really is good. You just need to get people in the door. So I really do like that though. I've seen that firsthand multiple times for a webinar in particular. I remember I had one title and I was testing, you know, I had two different pages. I was split testing traffic to one had one title and the other one had another title. That's the only thing that was different. And one was getting like $2 and 50 cent webinar registrations. Another was getting like $15 webinar registrations. And we'll so, have to add split testing to our <laughs> list here. So we're just yeah. throwing that in there. That wasn't and, our and list, but of course kinda, it would be a, a good idea well, to that well, my next tip that's kind of relevant to all this too is basically, you know, as we're talking about like messaging in general, I have to really make sure that we're like cutting the fluff. It's not, you know, there's so much competition and saturation in so many markets, especially as we're talking online marketing, that people are just going to see through that. Like people don't want to, you know, they're, they're so used to hearing the fluff language or so used to hearing about, you know, like grow your business or you know, get better at this or whatever, like really like get to the point about like, Hey, what is it that you're actually going to do for them? And try to be specific in that. If it's fitness, you know, obviously we have to be careful uh, with fitness and you're talking about results, but I'll use that example. Just take it with a grain of salt. It's like, don't say like lose weight, say like how to lose 15 pounds in three weeks. Or again, on Facebook, you'd have to be really careful with that or else you'll get shut down. But using that example, like really get to the point, cut the fluff and really tell people what they're signing up for up front. And kind of in that same vein, really making sure that we are selling that end result and not selling like, hey, join this two week fitness program. And it's like, no one cares if it's two weeks or not. No one cares if it's three days, like people care, like what's it going to do for them? I mean, so really making sure that we're speaking to that as opposed to, you know, and granted, like those things are important. Like it's, you know, you can't say like, do this. And it really, it's a four-year program or whatever. Like there still needs to be info about that, but that's not usually the thing that we want to be leading with, especially when we're talking about lowering lead costs. Yeah. I remember creating my first online course and thinking that, you know, what was going to sell was if I had a thousand hours of video, you know? And it turns out people don't really care if it's a, people probably prefer it be one hour of video, but one really <laughs> good hour of video, right? Instead of a thousand hours. So I agree, you know, selling the end result and cutting the fluff. I think those are two really good tips kind of go hand in hand as well. And I can't emphasize enough. I think how important it is, you know, that people understand what the end result is or the benefit of the end result is. And it really does make a difference when it comes to an offer. I'm thinking of a Facebook ad I see all the time. Maybe you all seen it as well, a stretching program. Like it's like, you know, which, I mean, that's about as generic as it gets. Like, you know, you can just think of like a guy who's maybe good with mobility and he wants to teach people how to become more mobile, right? But that doesn't sound compelling, but his end result, right, is you're going to be able to do a split, a front split and a side split in 30 days, right? Have you seen this? Anybody? I've seen, I've, I've like added to cart probably four or five times on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Because you're like, okay. I mean, it just, the end result is so clear 
And it's like, again, I just think it's genius. And also this ad, I mean, it must've had 300 comments on it. Right. And people who are like, you know, I couldn't walk and then I did this and you know, anyway, so on and so forth. Right? <laughs> but um, another one where it's like dunk in your thirties and it's a guy just dunking the basketball. He's like, no, I haven't seen that. That's another good one. Right. One, like, Oh, I should be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So end result I think is key. One thing you brought up was LTV and we alluded to it at the very beginning of the episode. Ryan, I know you have two tips here that have to do with LTV. Maybe you could explain to us what LTV is, why we should care about it, and then jumping into your two tips here along those lines. Yeah. So LTV being lifetime value of your customer. So it's a pretty crucial metric for most businesses. Some businesses, if it's more, you know, you're not expecting repeat purchases, you might be looking at average order value or something like that. But basically it's how can you get someone to buy the most product from you or the highest value product from you to increase the value of that customer or increase the value of that lead. So looking at it through the lens of like lifetime value, that can be difficult to track sometimes, specifically attributed back to lead ads. And it's gotten even more difficult with the narrowing of the conversion windows and the attribution windows in Facebook. So say someone joins your list because of a lead ad, but then, you know, it might take some convincing. It might take four or five emails about how to dunk in your 30s before you actually finally buy that course about how to dunk in your 30s. And so if that event happens long enough after someone actually coming on your list, your ad reporting tools like in Facebook and Google are likely not going to capture that conversion and be able to send it back and show you that, okay, you paid $5 for this lead and it led to $100 in conversion value later on. All you're going to see is that you spent $5 on a lead and nothing happened. So it's really important to be able to track that long-term value or that lifetime value of your customers that came from your leads. And so there's different tools out there to be able to do that. You know, Google Analytics is a free tool that you can use that will get you most of the way there with that, but it is, it can be a little clunky at times. There's more plug and play methods out there. Like Hyros is a tool that we've used here at Till with a few clients, but the bottom line is just, if you can try to narrow in on that data of what's the value of someone coming from a lead, that'll allow you to better know, okay, I can spend this to acquire a lead. I think a, a common way that we see a lot of people look at it is they see, okay, well, we had this much revenue over this period and we had this many leads over this period. So there's my value per lead when that's not accounting for that. You know, some of these leads may have been super hot organic leads that came in, not from ads. I'm mean, going to probably going to have that higher LTV. So it can just lead you to come up with a metric that you're, then you're basing your lead value on that may not be that accurate. Whereas if you can say, Hey, leads, you could even go as specific, you know, leads coming from, this specific lead magnet and this specific campaign are worth this much to me. Because then you know, okay, I'm paying 10 cents for a quiz lead, but that's actually not a great price for a quiz lead. Or I'm paying $200 for this other lead, but they've filled out five pages of information before they submitted their lead form. And that's definitely worth it to me. But you won't know that if you're just looking at this broad blended metric for lifetime value. So it's just getting as specific with that lifetime value and where that's coming from as you possibly can. So, and then for the next point about just maximizing that lifetime value, that's less specific to leads, but just in general, the more value that you can get out of your customers and out of your leads, the more you'll be able to pay for those leads and the more you'll be able to scale your ads and reach more people, right? Which is the, that's the end goal of, of many businesses. So maximizing that, that LTV is definitely crucial. Yeah. And this, you know, I, 
for everybody listening, it is, it's kind of a headache. You know, I think regardless of the business, very few business models, I think have a very straightforward, like, you know, attribution model, right? That's just like super tried and true, especially if you have leads coming in multiple places. And I'm just thinking of service-based businesses in particular, where, you know, like, let's take a photographer who shoots weddings and families, for instance, right? You know, you might have one client Hopefully that person's only getting married once, right? <laughs> so, and there's ways that you can increase LTV through album sales and probably in print sales and things like that. But then maybe you could also shoot their family one day, you know, their growing family one day, but you probably wouldn't realize that until, you know, potentially years later, right? So anyways, all that to say, if you're struggling tracking uh, LTV, we understand, but. Yeah. And to make you feel a little bit better, this is not an easy subject for, I mean, you know, like I helped build a software that was all about attribution tracking and you still have conversations like, Hey, are we doing this the right way? Because you're, you know, there's different attribution models there, you know, certain businesses and certain business owners will want to look at it one way. Whereas like you may believe it's, it's a better option to look at it a different way. So this is, it's not an easy conversation to have. And we, you know, we have different conversations with all of our clients about what's important to them. And we try to speak, you know, as much like, truth into the marketing as possible. And, and, you know, we want to give them the most accurate picture. that's going to help them get the best results, you know, regardless of the model that we're using, but it is something that it's just tricky. And so, you know, figuring out the way that works for you and helps you see the best results and not just the one that's going to give you quote unquote, the best stats, I yeah. think is a battle that a lot of people have. And I should clarify too, it is tricky, but it's not impossible. And even though we might not have any, we might not come up with an exact foolproof, never wrong attribution model or LTV idea or estimate, we can get pretty close, right? We can get close enough to make educated decisions, right? So it is definitely, even though it's tricky, it's something that's worthwhile doing. So don't take my comments as like, God, oh, just throw your hands <laughs> the air and don't worry about it, right? And they're like, clarify one of the comments that I made about, you know, not just looking at revenue divided by number of leads. Like if that's as detailed as you feel like you're able to go, that's still way better than just saying, Oh, assigning some arbitrary value to it. Like, Oh, this, some podcast told me I should be getting leads for $5. So that's my metric. Like that's mm -hmm. <laughs> not the way to go about it. So yeah. You, yeah. You use your numbers wherever possible, even if they're not super detailed. Yeah, I just went through this with a client who didn't have a great way to attribute certain metrics for their business and for their model. And and so we were just looking at trends. We're looking at, okay, we spent more on leads this last month. So, you know, let's look at revenue over the next 30 days because nothing else has changed. We haven't seen a huge increase in organic leads. And we're able to kind of see, okay, like, does this pass the gut check of, you know, is this moving in the right direction. Now, granted, that's not, you know, the end all be all way to make decisions, but it can give you some confidence in looking at, okay, maybe we can start scaling by 10 or 20%. You know, I wouldn't necessarily make, hey, let's triple budget based on this data, but can give you some confidence in moving in direction that, you know, could potentially help grow your business a ton. Last two tips here. And both of them have to do with increasing prominence. All right. And so these are one, focusing on PR, I feel like it's a, one of the things that, especially smaller businesses, typically think oh, only large businesses do that. But, you know, PR can be super helpful in increasing, you know, brand recognition, for instance. And the more familiar that somebody is with your brand, the more likely it is that they're going to trust you enough to purchase from you, 
right? So trying to increase your brand visibility as much as possible. And that can be through going on things like podcasts, being featured on podcasts or guest posting or, you know, more typical or traditional PR routes. But I think one of those things that, you know, the more people recognize your name or at least have heard of it, you know, the more likely they are to trust a, a lead form or, or, you know, whatever. The second thing, influence marketing, which again, goes back to this idea of increasing uh, prominence and brand recognition, but just thinking through uh, the social channels, the state of social channels today, right? And with the rise of something like TikTok. And one thing that we've seen on TikTok is that you're more curated, like the ads that you know, work fine on something like maybe Instagram or Facebook, or, you know, traditionally have worked well, just don't work as well on TikTok, right? Typically what we're going to see work better on a platform like that is content that looks more organic, right? And one of the things that I think looks most organic is just influencer marketing in general. And again, when somebody else trusts your brand and you trust them, right? By extension, you're going to trust that brand a little bit more had you never heard that person talk about it. And again, when then you see an ad for that particular product or you know some sort of lead ad, you're just more likely to trust it, right? So those are the last two tips I wanted to talk about. And Ryan and Jesse, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. No, I think that, I mean, we have case study on case study on comparing very similar businesses and similar industries and if we look at just lead costs for people who spend time and energy on PR and people that don't, we see a considerable difference for sure. I think something to keep in mind too is a lot of these are more like long tail efforts. You might not see the results of them till further down the road, even with you know with the data and good attribution. So you don't want to, I would say, underinvest in these areas to then realize they're working and wish that you would have invested in more of them earlier on. So I would definitely set some minimum level of effort, some minimum investment that you're willing to make in leads, in PR, and some of these things that are harder to measure, but you know in your gut that they're worth it, then just stick to that. And then as your attribution can show that they're valuable, then you can go up from there. Yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice. Well, I don't even know how many tips we ended up covering today, but I think those were solid and practical. And if you have questions about them, again, you can reach out to us at till.agency. And if you're interested in working with us, send us a note over at till.agency and we'll get back with you on how we might be able to serve your business either through something like digital advertising or search engine optimization. As always, you can find show notes over there as well. And this episode in particular, the show notes should be pretty thorough and we'll have links to a lot of the different things we talked about, especially the more technical stuff that we talked about in the beginning of the episode. Ryan, Jesse, thanks for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. See you guys.